Hey guys, be sure to stick around after the credits for an exciting announcement. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Please listen carefully. Hi, to all you boys and girls out there in podcast land. Welcome to Radio Film School, a radio documentary anthology series about filmmaking, cinema, and the pursuit of passion. About every week, we bring you personal, passionate, and sometimes provocative stories from filmmakers and artists all over the globe. Stories that will help you mature as an artist and find more fulfillment in your craft and career. This week on the show, we have another episode of our Making a Documentary series, wherein I'm sharing the ups and downs of trying to make a documentary series with my wife about invisible illness. We also have a replay of a short end segment we posted last year where Yolanda gives a rundown of what all those different producer roles mean. So you're going to get something old and something new with this episode, but the two go together very well. But before we get started, I want to give credit to Lens Pro to Go for their support of this show. If you need to rent photography or video gear in the United States, if you want top-notch customer service from working filmmakers and photographers, if you want simple, affordable pricing that includes two-day UPS shipping, then head on over to LensProtocol.com and use the offer code RADIO to save yourself 10%. We thank LensProtocol for their support. Now, without further ado, on with the show. In the world of crowdfunding for films, aside from a copy of the film itself, there's one reward level that seems pretty popular, the film credit. For just 10 bucks, this is your chance to see your name in lights scrolling up on the big screen, along with that 2,000 other people that pitched in a 10 spot. As my wife and I prepared for our crowdfunding campaign and put together our reward levels, we sent a review link to my good friends and frequent guests on the show, JD and Yolanda Cochran. I wanted to get their feedback not only on the crowdfunding video itself, which we covered in the past episode of Making a Documentary, but on the reward levels as well. Yolanda, who as you recall, worked as head of physical production at Alcon Entertainment, the company that is currently producing the Blade Runner sequel. Well, she made a particular comment that seemed rather odd. She wrote, and I quote, First, an immediate thought, you cannot give a screen credit thanks for a $5 donation, unquote. And she put CANNOT in all caps. Now, I thought this was a pretty passionate comment for something which seems as simple as a film credit. The optimum word in that sentence being SEEMS. Apparently in Hollywood, when it comes to giving credits, or even the actual act of creating or worse, changing credits in a movie or television show, it's not as simple as it might seem. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School, making a documentary. I got J.D. and Yolanda on Skype to go over the feedback. Actually, the original point of this call was to discuss their feedback on the crowdfunding video overall. But as is often the case, we got off on a tangent this time about Yolanda's credit comment. 
And as history on this show has proven, the tangents I have with these two often lend themselves to full-blown episodes in their own right. Enjoy. Hey, Ron. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Good, how are you? How you doing? Good. If you hear the Mardi Gras in the background, it's because some little kid decided now to start playing his drums. <laughs> okay. Tell Joshua we said what up. Uh, anyway, hey guys, thanks for all your feedback on the Kickstarter. Really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Yeah, good stuff. So two things. One, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on the giving of the credits thing. Uh, I think it's interesting because one, I see that as something that a lot of different um, Kickstarters and crowdfunding films do. They give some kind of credit and. I've seen it given for as little as a buck, and I've seen it given for, like, if you pay an executive producer level. So, but you seem right. to be really, you seem to be really passionate about it, Yolanda. I wanted to find out <laughs> <laughs> why, because it seemed like another thing to be so passionate about. Well, let me put it in a different context. Okay. Because let me let me first take it outside of the, this the box of Kickstarter and what you're doing. Okay. And we'll come back to that. Yeah. Let's put it in the context of films and television. All right. There is a great amount of um, credit inflation going on in Hollywood. Credit inflation? Credit inflation. By that, I mean... Tons of people are getting credits now, particularly above the line. I'm speaking more so above the line and specifically to producers. Too many people are being credited for, for particularly in the producer realm, for not really producing the movie or not doing things that really earn them producer. And that's, that's just a function of the way movies are financed now and and a whole conversation that I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on. So, so the PGA actually has now, now because of that, you've seen like the, something called the producer's mark now in credits where it says PGA behind producers' names. And in order to get that mark, you have to, basically meet a certain threshold and apply to the producer's guild to get the mark and they have to approve it. Right. Um, aside from that though, like you'll see in certain movies, like I remember when we did point break, I think we had something like 15 to 18 producers of various, like there's obviously producers, executive producers, co-producers, la 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 la. But amongst all those different categories, there's like 15. And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous, like this many people, especially to have in main titles and on cards. And it's just like an ongoing thing. And I recent, I, one of the movies that was nominated this year, I want to say maybe it was, I think maybe La La Land, any, some, one of them had like 20 something. And it was just like crazy. It's like, what the hell is going on? So, so and those that, and those twenty are those like straight producer credits, or is that including no, like associate no. EP and all that? It's, it, I don't think there were any associates in there. It was EPs, co, and producers. Got it. 
20 something producers. It's just like, okay, seriously. Okay. So then put aside the, the, that for a moment, which is ridiculous. There is, um, you know, each guild for the above the line has very specific guidelines about how people are credited. Um, SAG has stipulations. WGA certainly has stipulations about credit. DGA has stipulations. So it's like uh, the whole credit thing, unfortunately, the producers don't actually have a, you know, uh, a labor union. It's just really a trade organization. It's not really a guild. Oh. Um, so, you know, credits are very serious, especially for above the line. Now, you're talking about a thank you credit, which is, is something far different. Sure. Um, now, the IOTSI, when you credit crew members, it's not as stringent. Um, the IA doesn't have as stringent rules about crediting as the guilds do. However, you have to be careful because if you credit somebody in a position that they didn't actually perform, the IA is going to come after you and make sure that you paid them in the position that you credit them for. Hmm. So you can't just go off crediting someone and say, oh, I just want to call this person DP just because, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, if you credit them as DP, then you better have paid them the minimum if you're a signatory to IA. But that's just for movies uh, that are, like, I guess, union movies, right? I mean, yeah. Yes. Correct. Okay. So I'm, I'm just giving you the background of why I'm very – have specific – Strong feelings about credit. She lives in La La Land, Ron. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so and okay. So now, all of that aside, I have dealt with preparing the screen credits, and then, you know, having them, sh you know, going back and forth with the with the company that that prepares them, then the company that shoots them, then getting them into the movie, then dealing with what's the running time for the credits based upon how many credits you have. And the longer, obviously, the more people you're crediting, the longer your run time is, and that's mm -hmm. the whole issue that you need to deal with, and particularly like, you know, now you've got to deal with music because of your running time and your credits and la, 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 all that stuff. Right. We were particularly stringent in the studios. Actually, Warner Brothers actually had written into our distribution agreement certain language about thank you credits. And, like, you know, they have, they have their guidelines about not wanting to have thank you credits, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. So. They had special guidelines just for thank you credits? Yeah. In interesting. Now, we're talking about a very indie production, which is also a documentary and also being done by crowdfunding. So right. this is quite obviously a markedly different scenario than what I am talking about. However, uh, the $5 threshold means that you're basically going to credit everybody who gives you money, which could turn out to be, I don't know how many hundreds of people, but I, by my estimation, I think aesthetically and for runtime, it's going to look ridiculous. Right. Unless you well, have a a more reasonable. And again, I don't know what what the what's the general like um, 
you know, the usual thing for movies like this that have done crowdfunding and how many thank yous they include. And maybe it's perfectly fine to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of thank you credits at the end. And I don't know how quickly they scroll and whatever, but I'm just thinking from an aesthetic standpoint, you don't want to have so many that it looks crazy or that you, you know, in order for it not to scroll too quickly, it needs to, you know, it needs to have a particularly long runtime, which also might not be aesthetically pleasing or might look slightly ridiculous. That's why I felt like you're, if you have a threshold of 150, I saw you change it to 100, which is, you know, fine. You're not going to have the number of people, I would assume, that would be obviously at a $5 level or a $25 level. And so I think you'll have a reasonable number of people at that level that it won't look silly. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a good point. And, you know, for what it's worth, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it lately, but we've actually, one, we got rid of the $5 thank you credit, you know, largely based on your input. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, for what it was worth, when we had it up there, we were only giving the screen credit to the people who either paid for one of the, um, for people who paid the $5 or for people who, um, obviously if you paid one of the associate or executive producer levels, you got the appropriate credit for that near the top. But the special thank you credit was only going to go to the people who paid the $5. And we were talking about last night and we were like, does that make sense to only thank people who gave the least amount of money? Yeah. Right, right, right. So we, we just kind of got rid of it. And also for the same reason you said was, you know, even if we had only given it at the $5 level, I mean, it's, you know, it's feasible. You could get 500 people at that level. You know, I've seen, you know, I've seen uh, one of the films on Kickstarter that has one of the highest number of backers. They have like a total, I think a total of like over 3,000 backers. It was a documentary and at the $5 level for which I think you got a download. Um, I don't know if you got a credit too, but uh, it was one of the lowest levels for a download. But they had over a thousand... Could you imagine having a thousand contributors at five dollars in this? Place? They had over a thousand. Names. Yeah, they had over a thousand names at that level, um, and I was like, you know, Final Cut is gonna crash <laughs> if I try right. to add that many. I mean, it probably wouldn't. Maybe on my computer, who knows? But yeah, it was just you know, conceivably at and that I level. If you guys have, have a good a good project project on your hands, I think there's going you're gonna garner a lot of interest. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's a very yeah. uh, well, and the other thing, too, that that occurred to me this morning when I looked back again this morning is, which kind of circumvented a, a different comment that I gave you guys, which is your language says, quote, unquote, or now you've taken this category away, but it says that I think in all the categories, it said $5 or more, which means if you gave more than five, if you gave at least $5, you're getting everything that that thing says. Right. Everything for that little group, right. Up to the next level. So if you did five... Yeah, but it doesn't say up to the next level. It says $5 or more. Oh. Interesting. That occurred uh, to me this morning. I was like, when I said... Because one of my comments was 
someone giving a hundred dollars should get everything that everybody who gave less is getting, including, you know, the physical book. And then when I read it this morning, I was like, oh, I guess that already counts because it says or more. It doesn't say up to. No, that's so, interesting because the the or more like we don't <laughs> we don't add that. You need to be prepared to include all the things from from below. That's a great catch because we don't include that and we don't add that. That's something that is automatically yeah, created. Um, but I wonder yeah. if there's uh, like I wonder if there is a setting in each of the rewards that makes that because these are not cumulative rewards. Like you only get whatever is in that particular right. category. But, uh, the way it reads. No, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. The way it reads, it's like, you know, if you, if you do, you know, a hundred dollars or more, you should get everything, um, that's beneath the hundred dollar level based on each of the, um, right. All right, I'm going to look at it because I definitely have seen other crowdfunding campaigns where, uh, I mean, a lot of them, they are cumulative where each, you know, each subsequent right, reward yeah. level. But yeah. I have seen yeah. some where, where they weren't, where, you know. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to hey, look into me, that. Let me ask you, but that's another point, though. Like, why why not cumulative? Why are you not? Well, we kind of, we, we kind of. We kind of did make it cumulative uh, the way we kind of reworked it. Like, like I think you made a point, yo, about like if someone pays a hundred bucks, why wouldn't they get like some of the other digital stuff? Right. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'd be mad if like I gave a hundred bucks and there's something cool that the five dollar person got, but I didn't get. Like, <laughs> right. Person yeah. Got. I'm like, what the hell? I yeah, gave a hundred bucks. Yeah, like some of them like. I tell you what, give me seventy five dollars back because I really want <laughs> the thing in the twenty five section. Right, that's right. what I'm saying. Yeah, it should be cumulative. Um, for all intents and purposes, I think the way we have it now, it is cumulative. But um, I am going <laughs> to. I want my book. I want the table book. I, I don't care if I get the executive producer thing. I want the table book. Right, right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go back and look at that. Um, no, cool. This is good. This is good. Um, one, a couple of the. I'm. A, I, I think that was it about credits. Was there anything else about credits that you? Yeah, that's it. That's okay. It. Yeah, that's it. Um, one of the comments that we got actually from... People don't... One last thing. Yeah, yeah. A pet peeve is people, including people in the industry and even people in post, hmm. have no idea how intensive the work is for screen credits. It's like crazy. They say, oh, it's so easy. Like everybody assumes it's easy and it's not. And it like makes my friends crazy because it's their entire job. And like people dismiss it as if it should be so easy. And it's actually very not easy. It's what's not easy. It's not easy to get a screen credit or it's not easy editing screen credits into a movie. To make the changes, yeah. It's not easy. The whole, all of it. Like the, (laughs) the compliance, the gathering it, I mean, the the responsibility of it, if you fuck up somebody's name, you get one letter wrong, and you've now completely fucked up their screen credit on a movie for Josh their whole... Oh, sorry. I hope I'm not on speaker. No, no, you're not. I'm at... Yeah, no, no. Okay. But you yeah, I told her she's cursed like a sailor and Josh was in the background. You somebody... Right. ...their screen credit on a movie for eternity by getting one letter wrong. 
You know, it's like that's that's just one example. It's just like it's a nightmare. Do they have people who like? How does it work in terms of getting the names right? Like, do people fill out a form and then you just copy and paste, or uh, is it someone's job to actually type? It's a whole process. Yeah, it's yeah. like they. I mean, one of the things that we instituted was putting a box on people on our standard deal memos that says. What do you want your screen credit to read? Mm-hmm. The person has to fill it out. Wow. Uh, and th- but that's that's just one step. And then there's a lot of manual portions of the process that you know, as soon as something's manual, you're interjecting human error. Oh sure. So. Uh, huh. As promised at the top of this episode, I also want to play for you part of a short ends episode we ran last year where Yolanda describes the various duties of all those different producer credits you see on the screen. So you see why I put these two together, right? Nice touch, huh? Show about credits, producer credit. Anyway, here's a segment from short ends episode number 19 about the role of producers in feature films. Last night, my wife and I rented Hello, My Name is Doors, starring Sally Field and Max Greenfield of New Girl fame. The movie had five producers, two executive producers, two co-executive producers, four co-producers, and two associate producers. That's a total of 15 people with some kind of producer credit. Now, one of the most confusing aspects of the film industry is what the hell do all those producers do? I mean, do you really need that many producers? Last weekend, I was down in Los Angeles to film and record the sequel to our Women in Film series. I therefore took the opportunity to pose Joe's question to Yolanda and get what I believe is the most thorough answer on the question, what does a producer do? So, I know that many people when they watch screen credits see, you know, all these different varying, you know, types of producers, co-producers, executive producers, associate producers, co-executive producers <laughs> and then produced by like, <laughs> what are all these people doing what does it all mean and it, and it can get quite confusing and on quite frankly you know even amongst people who work in the business i think there is still a lot of confusion <laughs> about what each of those people are doing i'll speak specifically to feature films as far as features a producer proper generally will be the lead main producer and Typically, your intellectual property will be originating with the produced by credit. Those people will generally be the person who identifies, you know, either the story, you know, wherever it originates. Could be, um, could be a newspaper article. It could be a book. Could be an idea that they come up with on their own, or they might identify a writer who has an original idea that they've come up with on their own. They may or may not have written it already. Those are the produced by credits, and that person typically will be the person who works closest with the director and all of the creative team to bring about all the creative elements to the project. That will be you know, all your key department heads, your talent, your cast. They're also charged typically with making sure that, you know, the plan is put in place and that it's executed. And they'll be the person who is interfacing with all of the departments, 
you know, all the creative elements um, and, and from the, the very, very early days all the way to the, the end of the project when it's finished and in the can and ready to be in the theaters and being involved with making sure that the marketing campaign represents the film well and accurately or advantageously. So that's the producer proper. That's in, in, the, in the world of features, that's the, the credit that is most prestigious and um, is most impactful in the project. An executive producer is a pretty high credit as well. And that varies as far as the role of an executive producer. Some executive producers may be people who are involved, for, uh, for instance, with the production company or the finance company that's making sure that the, the project has come to fruition and has gotten the green light. They might be bringing some other very material uh, aspect to the project, be it you know, some bit of talent, maybe they, identif maybe they aren't themselves the money, but maybe they brought the money to the project and you know, brought basically the means and the resources to the producer to be able to finance the film. They might also have some connection to the intellectual property or some other key creative elements of the project, but aren't directly involved from a day-to-day -day standpoint with producing the movie, so they aren't getting the produced by credit. Um, then you have co-producers, and that can vary quite a bit as well. Typically, co-producers are people like um, uh, line producers, although some line producers get an executive producer credit, some line producers get a co-producer credit, um, but the co-producer typically is someone who is directly involved with you know, the day-to-day um, the -day aspects of making sure that the project either you know, from a development and creative standpoint from script basis or um, development is, is handled properly and or um, making sure that the movie is progressing day-to-day uh, -day, uh, during principal photography and making sure you know, that schedule is proper, budget is proper, and you're getting through the pr production on time. But that person is, does not, is not of a high enough stature to have a produced by credit. For whatever reason, maybe they weren't involved with the IP. They typically, I guess the way to understand it best is a co-producer is not someone who was integral to making sure that the project was a go. They're integral to making the project, but they weren't the ones who brought it to the place where it was going to be made. And then you have associate producers who also have some kind of tangential tie to the film from a producerial standpoint, but they're just a little bit lower on that rung. And what's, you mentioned line producer, what's a line producer? A line producer is Basically, I mean, a lot of times I'm asked what I do, um, and for the layperson, I always bring it back to project management. It's a word that most people can understand across any industry. Project management involves, you know, soup to nuts, you know, making sure that what it's basically game planning. What's our plan to make this movie? And the plan involves many, many. Um, different functions. I mean, quite the first and most important is the creative. Typically, the line producers and the production management are not heavily involved in the creative, except where it relates to making sure that the creative is attended to and um, is is you know 
the first and foremost that we're getting across. And that involves, you know, who are the people involved with the project? You know, who are your heads of department? Who's your production designer? Who's your DP? Who's your costume designer? Who's your editor? You know, those are key people who end up being below the line, but they're going to be, you know, very important to making sure that the director's vision from a creative standpoint is brought to bear once you get into production. So ultimately those decisions fall um, and should be with the director and the producers of the movie. But, you know, there's an entire process of making sure that, you know, you gather and make sure who's available to do this, who's, who's appropriate to be considered for the project. Are they within, you know, um, are they of a stature? Because all of these people have worked in the business for a long time. So, you know, people higher up on the echelon have a certain quote, a weekly amount that they get. And so maybe someone's not appropriate to be considered for a project or, you know, maybe someone's body of work isn't appropriate for the project. So the creative elements um, do touch the line producer and production manager. Also, you obviously need to identify you know, from a creative and script standpoint, what is the story you're trying to tell and where, where does that story take place? And so what ends up happening quite frequently in our business is a lot of films are made in places where, you know, there are production incentives where you can add dollars to your production so that you can add more creative value to your production by being able to do it at um, basically a higher price point because you're getting some dollars back so your net budget ends up being less so there's a lot now a lot of uh, discussion in the pre-production process about locations where are we shooting is it going to accurately reflect what we're trying to do even though perhaps we're not shooting in the scripted location a perfect example is if something's shot um, in Toronto when it's meant to be or it's presented as New York um, it's, you're able to do it a little more economically in Toronto, but you're, you know, it, it's a creative decision because quite obviously you're not in New York and it does it look like New York. Does it look sufficiently like New York? Does it look like these specific areas? Perhaps does it look like Brooklyn? It's supposed to be Brooklyn, but you know, so those decisions and being able to wrangle that. I mean, it's such a big job to pull off any, any film production that you need to divide off, you know, and, and, and make it into, you know, um, sections to create a, a game plan to pull off a film. So a line producer is basically the one who will um, be the main captain of doing all of that and, and will be the conduit to the creative and also the content, con conduit to the crew who, um, you know, are also below the line. And so scheduling and budgeting and locations and making sure you have proper legal clearances and all of those things. And don't forget to stick around after the credits for an exciting announcement. Radio Film School is a production of Dare Jimmy Media and is a proud member of the Podcastica Network, a small collection of pop culture podcasts that cover topics from your favorite television shows to meditation and health to podcast production. This and other great shows can be found at podcastica.com. Huge thanks again to Lens Pro to Go for supporting the work we're doing with Radio Film School. You can support the show by hopping on over to lensprotogo.com to rent photo and video gear from working filmmakers and photographers who can help you make the best rental choices. 
All of their prices include two-day shipping, so there are no shipping cost gotchas at the end of the checkout process. And if you use the offer code RADIO, you'll save yourself 10%. That's lensprodego.com. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. If you like what we're doing on the show, please subscribe in iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a review. You can also find the show on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and our RSS feed is on every blog post for each episode. You can stay connected with me on Twitter at DareDreamerRon, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. That's it for this week. Remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. So, I wanted to make a huge announcement and something I'm really excited about. I am now officially the editor of the Frame.io blog. In case you didn't know, Frame.io is the latest player in the video collaboration game. So instead of using YouTube or Vimeo or Dropbox to cobble together comments and feedback via a disorganized email thread, you use a platform like Frame.io to make frame-accurate comments, annotations on all kinds of media, all gathered in one centralized location. They've actually taken the industry by storm, winning Best in Show awards at NAB two years in a row and winning an Apple Design Award for their iOS app last year. They boast such investors as Kevin Spacey and Jared Leto and the VC firm Excel. Well, their blog is a growing source of inspiration and educational content for professional filmmakers and video producers, and as editor, I'll be helping to grow that content. So if you fancy yourself a good writer and you have a thing or two to share about your experience, reach out to me at rdawson at frame.io. I'm constantly going to be on the lookout for contributing writers as well as people to interview. Now, if you're a friend of the show, no worries. I still plan to keep it going. I just wanted to share this exciting news with you all and put the word out. When you get a chance, check out the blog at blog.frame.io. All right, that's it. See you guys next week. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Podcast to go.